Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 174. Uh, might be a bit of a short show this week, but we do have some good stuff we want to talk about. So let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. Yeah, I'm, I'm Sarizel. Um, I, I mostly play Blizzard games. I go see movies. That's that's me. And that's what he's talking about today. All right, Bate, you're up. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name is Bate, and I am not doing the podcast for my car this week. But you do use your blinker, right? Of course I do. Of course he does. All right. Turn only lane. Just not in the turn bay. Gotcha. All right. Jay, you're up. Hi. My name's Jay, and uh, I'm also one of the hosts here on Biomast, and I listen to Zell talk about uh, movies that he watched in Blizzard games. (laughs) And of course, I'm Pokey Draven. I help host the show here, uh, and I do our Dungeon Crawl series over on YouTube. So, and uh, great one. The only thing I got for 174, other than the fact this is the number that comes after 173, is that it is in a long line of Peugeot cars from uh, around 1920, 1930. That's it. That's all I got. Dude, we just say that name. Okay, how do you say it, Bate? (laughs) It's Peugeot. You're. You're nuts. I'm a Jay on this one. I think Jay's right. That sounds more, more right. It sounds more French. How about that? It sounds more French, okay. exactly. It, it doesn't. I'll give you that. I still think Okay. Well, yeah. All right. So let's get started off here. Um, Zell, looks like there's a new film that's coming out. It looks kind of interesting. Red Sparrow. Uh, you kind of posted that this one. It looks like... Uh, kind of a seductive spy sort of deal going on what do you what are your thoughts on that yeah so this one was like and, and this is the kind of the reason i looked at it was because of the the title on the articles is basically this is this is a black widow movie that marvel won't make um like we've been asking marvel to make a black widow movie for years and they haven't done it and then um this movie is like they're going with the color animal name theme and everything and it's it's literally like this woman who goes through this like assassin training school in Russia and becomes an assassin and then there's an American CIA agent that kind of try can tries to convince her that he's like the one person she can trust or something and and you know I'm like this is this is like Black Widow and Hawkeye straight up here um but it it does look like it's probably going to be um you know content rating wise a little beyond what marvel usually does for its standard fare you know avengers movies um but uh yeah so it it looks kind of interesting yeah jennifer lawrence is starring in it It seems like she's been doing a lot of stuff lately so it it, it should be interesting uh, that's that's probably not a good one for her uh i was a little confused at first i'm like really her looking because i I heard it's like a black widow film and then they kind of the opening scene i'm like all right, I guess. Um, sure. It seemed a little strange for casting. Well, the you know the thing is, is casting her prints money right now. So, right. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. Is you know, the name is is hot right now, so they're they're going to go with that. But uh, yeah, it probably wouldn't be who I would have picked for it. But you well, know, you'd pick you'd pick Scarlett Johansson. But if <laughs> but if she did it, Marvel would really come knocking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you, like you said, you can tell it's pretty, pretty uh, clearly they're they're pretty much copying the Black Widow story that that Marvel will never make because it's it's not it doesn't fit in line with the, the maturity of the content they normally produce. But you know, for those of you people who are out there who are fans of of that story and, and want to see it, you know, this this might be 
you know, might be kind of true to what they're looking for, at least maybe not in the details, but that style of, of film. So it should be interesting to see how well it does. Um, but yeah, so that one's coming out uh, March 2nd. 2018 so uh, still a ways off but the trailer is out you can take a look at it and you know see what you think it'll be in the show notes it will be in the show notes okay so another one that's interesting and we've been talking about blade runner uh 2049 off and on here uh one that i'm looking forward to because I, I finally got around to seeing the original blade runner uh, several months ago and it was really quite good so i'm, I'm looking forward to, to blade Runner 29 plus 2049 um, plus, you know, Harrison Ford is, is fantastic the older he gets, so that, that should be fun. Interesting bit is that they're trying to kind of produce a series of films, uh, short films, not, not full-length things, but just like shorts, to kind of fill in the time gap uh, between the two movies. There's about a 30-year time gap, and uh, they've kind of had these brewing for a while, but there is one that's coming out called Blade Runner Blackout 2022, and this one is actually being directed by uh, Shinjiro Watanabe. If you are a fan of anime, you might notice the name. It is going to be an anime short, but he is the guy who directed Cowboy Bebop, which is a very well-known uh, anime flick, very good, um, good entry point if you're trying to get into anime, but it was, it was done very well. Uh, he was also involved in the Animatrix, which was kind of that... Uh, side companion series of short films that went along with the matrix trilogy um some kind of experimental stuff you know playing around with different graphics and, and story stuff and like that so uh he's been involved with some interesting things and so he's working on this short that's going to be kind of like uh it takes place around this event that happens uh between the original blade runner and blade runner 2049 so uh it is in takes place in the year 2022 and the plot is basically that a massive EMP goes off and basically wipes the planet, like just complete blackout. You know, if, if an EMP went off in, in modern day, you can imagine how destructive it would be if it just took out all of our computing equipment, you know. Um, and it doesn't, it, we're not really sure if it's the events leading up to that or if it's about the event itself. Um, that's not quite clear yet. Uh, but, you know, it should be interesting. I, I, I think it'd be good to kind of hop in on some of these smaller short films and kind of do some world building and prep for the actual film uh, when it comes out. So I'm actually pretty excited for this because I do, I do like his work. He does some good stuff and uh, the, the subject matter for this is, is pretty solid and is in line with the sort of um, stories and uh, settings that he's used to. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped for this. So yeah, that's coming out uh, September 26th. So that's actually really close here. That's in nine days at the time of recording here. Um, and then Blade Runner 2049 is releasing on October 6th. So uh, a little bit further away, but you know it's it's coming up here. So uh, we'll get details out on where you can watch that or where you can buy it. I'm not sure how it's being delivered yet, uh, but that is coming soon. Pokey, I I've, I I may be mistaken, but I thought that was going to be a web like a like a webcast or web video or some kind of web access. That's, thing. that's very possible. Yeah. I'm not sure uh, how it's being, but if it was a web, uh, web short, then yeah, that would make sense for kind of the, the marketing kind of implies something like that. So did you see the, uh, the short that uh, they already released with uh, Jared Leto and the, uh, it's, it's a very, very odd scene. I know that's kind of redundant to say that with Jared Leto in it, but um <laughs> It was effectively like a stage setter for whatever is going on between the replicants and the humans. It sounded like there was a a move to outlaw replicant replicants of some sort, and Jared Leto goes in to negotiate with, I assume, politicians or some kind of other corporate heads. Uh, it's a very uh, kind of disturbing sort of scene, but 
Uh, I was curious if you'd seen that. It's about eight minutes long. I have not seen that, but I will look it up. So that should be that should be good too. Because I know that uh, for this 2020, 2022 film, um, in the timeline of Blade Runner, after the event of the EMP, then replicants were outlawed like universally. So um, obviously that's probably connected to this in some way. But uh, yeah, I'll look that up. We'll, we'll get a link to that as well and put it in the show notes because uh, that should be good stuff as well. If, even if it is weird, I mean, uh, Blade Runner does have some odd moments, so it should be good to, to kind of see what they're all doing with it with the new reboot here. Okay, so moving along here, we've got uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. We didn't talk about this uh, last week, but J.J. Abrams has been hired to direct Star Wars Episode Nine. Um, they decided to kind of replace Colin Trevorrow due to creative differences, so he is gone. J.J. Abrams has been hired to take his place. Uh, and as expected, this sort of thing comes with a delay. Uh, probably a large part of the film is being reworked or rewritten or changed. So originally, Star Wars 9 was going to be uh, slated to be released on May 29th, or sorry, 24th, uh, 2019. That's going to be delayed till December 15th, 2019. Sorry, sorry December 20th, 2019. Um, episode 8 is going to be December 15th, 2017. So. Um, it got pushed back. We're kind of looking again at a December release window for the ninth movie, but that's, you know, more than two years away. But, you know, this is kind of expected. I think when you're changing directors, things are going to change, especially if it's over creative differences, they're going to obviously go in and, and change some of the stuff the previous guy was doing. And, you know, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly fine with the December release window. I think that works well. Um, every two years having the main, main flick come out. So, uh, you know, a bit of a delay, a few months there, but uh, not the end of the world, and you know, it should be good. the The first thing that came to my mind is that J.J. Abrams was uh, a stability choice. So that was like the like an incredibly safe choice as a director. Uh, and I think with some of the turbulence they've had, like in the Han Solo movie and some of the other stuff, they just didn't want to mess. They they just did not want to go out on a limb on anything. Uh, they just wanted to reel it back in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, people are comfortable with the name. You know, they're gonna go. Okay, well, you know, he already did one, and it was pretty good. So it's it's probably safe that he'll do this, do a good job with this one. So I mean, I know they kind of wanted to have a different director for each one, but uh, you know, if things start to get shaky, they're just gonna go back to what they know, which is, you know, I I, I liked episode uh, seven. I thought it was good, so I'm not concerned about it. it the the other thing that kind of makes me curious about it is what what their internal take on episode eight is. Just because there's, you know, a variety of rumors that were kicking around that, uh, and even Mark Hamill kind of had a couple of step outs on social media where he's like, yeah, totally disagreed with the direction they were, they were taking the Luke Skywalker character, this, that, and the other. Now, at, at some point very quickly after that, they were like, oh no, but it's going to be awesome. It's, you know, it's pretty, pretty cool. So I'm kind of curious if maybe there was a few tinges of things where they were like, yeah, we got to watch the whole, like bringing new directors in who are going to try, who are really going to push envelopes that they may not want to push. Uh, so that there could be a little bit of that uh, involved in it. But I really think with all the, with all the major director changes that, that some other big movies have had JJ Abrams, is, he's a good choice, safe choice. Episode seven, very, very, very successful. It was well done. Uh, he's a, a veteran and consistent director. He's not going to, he's not going to create a, he's basically, in my opinion, J.J. Abrams is really good at being what Michael Bay thinks he is. Big, spectacular, <laughs> you know, fantastical science fiction movie, you know, visually neat, uh, fun story, but it's not, it's, it is definitely not going to make you, 
uh, sit there and ponder the meaning of jet of Jedi life or something like that, you know? So, uh, and it's also not overly angsty and gritty either. So I, I kind of like it. Yeah. And I mean, I know there was some concern, um, since he obviously drew pretty heavily from a new hope when he did seven, um, and people, they don't want it to be just a, you know, let's, let's remix the old stuff. And he's actually commented on that. He's like, that was that was a starting point, you know, but I want to do new stuff moving forward. So, again, I'm, I'm not too concerned about it. I, I trust the guy to, to put together something that's, like you said, it's not going to be very thought-provoking. But really, I don't think Star Wars is meant to be. It's meant to be a big, epic space odyssey you know um and he certainly has delivered on that in the past so i think it'll be fine um i look forward to it and uh you know it's like i said it's it's well over two years off still so you know we'll have lots of time to hear more details about it but uh i'm not concerned especially with a, a small delay like that so should be good yeah he directed seven but he didn't direct rogue one correct uh that's correct okay and i'm over here pushing the wrong button sorry <laughs> I was actually responding. I was I was asking Beta a question that's totally like superfluous now. So let's carry on. No, 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 no. no ask, ask. You know. No, I, I literally, I like it was something about uh, the director that that you were just asking about. Uh, it was the direct seven. Is that is that yeah, you're asking? What, no, I asked if uh, Abrams had directed Rogue One. Oh, oh, oh. No, that was Gareth Edwards who did Rogue One, which was what? also fantastic. So I I, I gotta I ask. Gonna, Gun to your head, gun to your dick. Which one do you like better, Rogue One or Episode Seven? Oh fuck! Um, this should not be a hard question, babe. Rogue One, I thought it was better. Rogue One, Rogue One, Rogue one is was drastically better. better. Like, like Seven was good, but Rogue One, like at the end, you're just like, holy crap, that was really solid. Like that just hit every every point I needed to hit and more. Like, so the it was first, fantastic. you know, hour and a half of that movie was. Yeah, it's a Star Wars movie. A little bit of different take, but it's kind of a Star Wars movie. Like the last twenty minutes, you're like, "Is this fucking Saving Private Ryan in space? What's going on here?" Right. Like right. The, the ending gives me chills every time I see it. I'm just like, "Holy crap!" Like that that whole ending sequence, pretty much from the upload of the files to then handing it off with Vader and then giving it to to Leia. I'm just like, like "This is quality right here." So you know, that's that 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 segment really really like nailed it like that was that was the part that made the movie better than seven in my mind it's it is a really good space battle uh right there at the end of rogue one I like that it is lot. yeah yeah and i'm sure they'll have lots of all of that uh in the next uh, battlefront game too because they're pushing the oh, starfighter yeah. stuff hardcore oh are they really oh yeah oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah really because because that was the biggest complaint of the first one they're like okay fine oh, we'll do lots of space not. battles then <laughs> So that's not, and I, I know we're kind of getting off topic, but those space battles in Battlefront 2 then aren't going to be, they're, they're going to be separate entities, right? So you're going to have a battle on the ground for, for one level, if you will, and then you may have a space battle, um, kind of like they did in the, the, the old Battlefront 2, correct? Uh, maybe. I'm not, I'm not really sure how it works. Yeah, I, I would imagine that they're just going to make them. You'll probably have like you know infantry with vehicles, and then you'll have just vehicle battles. I imagine. Okay. I don't think it's okay. any it's any crazy orbital Eve Online dust crap going no, on. No, because just... because that's what that's what I was hearing uh, for for Battlefront Three. What that was going to be before EA picked it up, they were uh, playing around with the idea of going space to land. Well, the, the original Battlefront. This is like back in like PS2 day. Yeah. You could actually fly a ship. I remember distinctly like flying an X-wing like into the landing yeah. bay uh, and like jumping out and then running around and trying mm-hmm. to like blow the ship up. Like I don't know why they can't do that. It's 
That, that oh, was that, awesome. The, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool, and it, it made for some really cool ones, especially, you know, you get, what was it, the, um, I think it might have been the, the, the droids, whatever the fuck they're called, where they had those big, long hangar bays. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. I, I think this was, like, actual space to, space to grant, instead of just in the side of the ship. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, they, they may. I, I haven't been following Battlefront 2 very closely, it just, I, I didn't uh, pick up the first one, but, uh. You know, I can see them doing some cool stuff, but the honestly, they're probably gonna play it safe since the first one was kind of, kind of iffy. Um, so they're like, we're just gonna give them exactly what they asked for before we try anything new. So I, I imagine it's probably straightforward, but uh, what you're describing would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, it most definitely would be really cool. All right, Zell, buddy, you went and saw the Dark Tower, Stephen King flick, right? You would everybody wait. Everybody taking you, a break and you, going you, to get popcorn while yeah, I talk. You, you would wait until I was like. <laughs> On the you know the other side of the room with my headset on, but away from my mic and my button, and then you'd ask for me. He's tripping over um, ferret cages and stumbling to his keyboard to, <laughs> to mash the push and talk button. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, so um, I did see the Dark Tower. Um, I, finally. So uh, what happened was on release weekend, uh, the couple of friends I usually go see movies with um, went like on Sunday morning. I wasn't available. They went without me. Um, so I, I did go last night with another friend at the cheap theater, which it is now made it to. So I got to see it for four bucks. Um, and you know, the dark tower got really poor reviews. I think when it came out, I think there was a lot of, a lot of the feedback was that it was not a good movie. Um, and I thought it was decent. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a great movie by any stretch the, they could have told me more about the universe that the movie was taking place in. Um, you know, but uh, the big thing is I did feel that uh, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey absolutely nailed their roles. Um, I thought McConaughey as a villain was excellent. I thought he was creepy and evil in all of the right ways. Um, and and that was that was most of my thoughts on it. it I don't know why you thought I was going to spend 45 minutes on this. <laughs> I'm just trying to fill time, man. Um, so I haven't been tracking the reviews on that. Why did they not like it? Is it just because it wasn't true to the original or just wasn't a good film in general? I don't know. I I definitely think it could have been written better. I don't know if I, if I have a really good reason why, but I thought the characters were very good and the story was okay. Have you you've read the books, right, Zell? No. So this is the, me coming to it from a straight go see a movie okay. standpoint. I, now I think I my number one full disclosure I have not seen the movie. However, I've I've read enough about it and talked to a couple of people that did. My casual observation, and I was somewhat interested in this because I did read a couple of the book, you know, some of the books when they came out you know, decades ago, uh, and and they're they're definitely very different than what Stephen King usually writes. Uh, and they're quite they're quite good. At least the very, the very first one was really good. So my general take is this is kind of like Ghost in the Shell. If you didn't, if you were only like tacitly aware of kind of where it came from, but you really didn't know the ins and outs of it, and you went and saw it, enjoyable mo- enjoyable movie, probably worth your time. You know that that was about the general you know comment I got. A lot of people said McConaughey and Idris Elba were fantastic, but they they really could have done a lot more with them. That the movie wasn't. You know, there's a lot of juice to for not for what was going on in the movie, uh, but all the people who like are big, huge Dark Tower fans that know the whole universe. You know, it, it is one big shared Stephen King universe. A lot of people don't realize that most of his books, no matter what the topic, actually happen in the same universe. That there's most of them really dislike this movie. <laughs> and 
I don't know why, but I, that was generally the two camps that I've talked to about it is people that didn't know that much about it thought it was not great. You know, it was like a B minus, you know, kind of, it was probably worth their money. Uh, and then the, the other camp that were definitely more dark tower fans were, they, they wanted nothing to do with this at all. Yeah. Cause I mean, when I remember seeing the, uh, the trailers for us, like that actually looks, you know, decent. I mean, when you say B minus is probably about what I was expecting, you know, kind of a, a bit of a edgy action flick with, you know, some interdimensional stuff going on. And it sounds like that's kind of what it ended up being. But I, uh, I think if you hadn't put the name dark tower on this and you called it, you know, like the fucking, you know, the dim skyscraper or whatever, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you had, if you had literally called it anything else and just let the, you know, let people watch the movie, I, it, I don't think it would have done very well. Anyway, it would have done. Okay may or may not have made its money back. But I think the draw was the, you know, was basically the name, the dark tower. And, and it was the, the fabled Stephen King novel that they'd been trying to one. It took him forever to finish. It was like George R.R. R. Martin in, in its scope of how long it took him to finish that series. Uh, but it was also one that they've been, people have been wanting a movie made out of it for li- literally decades. I mean, how many Stephen King movie adaptations have there been that were successful? Uh, I, Cujo, uh, was pretty good. Well, mm. uh, you mean, wait, when you define success when you made money or people liked it. People liked it. Cause I'm, I'm sure lots of movies make money, but you know, what, what, which ones were actually reviewed? Well, he, I think, I don't know about movies. Uh, there's been more than a few, like, um, like TV series, like the stand did very well. And a few of the other ones, but, uh, they, some of them get, relatively critically acclaimed but the one it just it kind of it's kind of hit or miss i guess maybe stand by me and you know which was back when i was a kid i i have uh i've heard the new it movie is extremely well uh liked and is like 85 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not my genre i don't go see horror movies yeah but. I, I don't either but i've heard the same thing zelda that's a it's a absolutely if you're into horror movies that's definitely a a, a high watermark, so to speak. Looks really good. Um, I, I have no, no no need to watch that movie at all. Well, no, right. I'm not going <laughs> to fucking watch it. But I, I I was talking to a couple of people, and they said it looks really good. I mean, on uh, any given day, if I see a clown on the street, I'm apt to walk up and hit him with a fucking bag of pennies and a sock. Did, did you actually see? If, if I see this movie, I'm I'm literally going to draw down on him and try to like put one in the you know two in the chest. One in the there there was uh, <laughs> there have been pictures online. Like there was one where it's like I I walked into the 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 showing to see it and and this guy was the only one sitting in the theater. You see this guy dressed up as a clown with a red balloon and he's just. Just oh, hell sitting no. facing straight oh, at the screen in the theater. <laughs> like that, that I'm I'm serious. Like I, I don't like most horror movies are actually pretty they're kind of stupid when you watch them. You know, they they really are. They they don't really scare you very much. There's been like one or two that like all of my my fight or flight you know, kind of instincts kick on and I start mystery science theater three thousanding the screen and it's not funny. It's like I watched um for example, like I watched uh, Blair Witch when I was, I was probably we had about forty dudes. We were like deployed and uh, out in the middle of nowhere, and, and they're like, "Hey, I got this movie. It's called Blair Witch. Nobody, we'd never heard of it." Uh, so they put it on in this tent, and we're watching it, and there, there's some heckling going on, like a lot. Like it was, it was pretty rough. If the actors were in there, they'd probably have like some serious complexes going forward. 
So that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. Like the exorcist didn't bother me, but I think if I watched something like it, I would, I literally, I would have whatever clown phobia is. I would, I would not have clown phobia. Well, I might have clown phobia, but I would absolutely go out of my way to try to like, you know, put IEDs under their cars. Their little funny cars with like 15 people on them. Those. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's horror flicks are not my thing either. And, uh, Creepy clowns, I just I don't need to have that mental image stuck in my head, so that's probably what I'll pass on. But uh, it's good to hear that at least it's doing well for people who do like it, because it's pretty classic, uh, uh, pretty classic flick. And whenever you do a reboot like this, you, you really want to actually nail it, because we have so many reboots that just totally flop. So it's good to see that it's doing well, and uh, it's good to hear. It does make me want to go back and watch the miniseries. I think I watched the miniseries when I was, how old was I, 14, I think? Watch with my mom. My mom was in, uh, and I don't remember the miniseries being all that freaky or all that scary or whatever. But I'd have to go back and watch it. So I think I might do that this week. Alrighty. So uh, Zell, you also went and saw, or you not went and saw, but you've been watching something else that we've talked about a few times. Uh, the Orville, which is the uh, Seth MacFarlane Star Trek Seth knockoff. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. So the uh, the first episode was uh, last Sunday. Uh, tonight, uh, was actually, uh, as we're recording this, I think before we started recording actually was, uh, the second episode, which I haven't seen yet, of course. Um, but, uh, I, I just wanted to kind of say, because it was very, like seeing the trailer, you weren't sure exactly what you were going to get because, uh, the trailer was very comedic. There was, it was almost all jokes to, to almost the point of, of ridiculousness. And it was hard. And that was kind of, it had a very, um, it seemed like it was more galaxy quests leaning into the usual Seth MacFarlane fare. Um, but, uh, this really came off as a very, very different series. This is, um, surprisingly seriously done and attempting to actually provide a really classic Star Trek experience. I think, um, most of the jokes felt more natural in the actual setting of the show than they did in the trailer. Um, like there was like, there was one joke he made, like he was talking to one of the villains and it seemed just over the top ridiculous. No way this could be like a sensible show that a character could, could make a comment like that until you realize like in the setting of the show, he was trying to stall for time and he's just, you know, whatever he could come up with that could, you know, waste, draw out the, the moment. Um, and uh, I, it was interesting that because the a lot of this the audio score was actually uh, almost like taken from like you could you could listen to this the the background music of this and say this this is exactly how you would score a Star Trek episode. Um, they things like the doors whooshing apart and the little chime for them is all basically taken straight from Star Trek. Um, they do use uh, one of the things that they they talked a fair bit about before the show started um, was that uh, while most shows are CGI today, almost exclusively for things like the spaceships, um, the Orville actually went and they got the guy, some of the guys who did the old model filming work uh, for Star Trek TNG, and they actually have a physical model of the Orville that they shoot with. Um, which like nobody does anymore. And they had to find the guys who did it for Star Trek because they're just, this isn't an experience set that exists today. Um, and so they mix that with, with the CGI for certain scenes and stuff like that. So it was, it was really cool. Um, from a, like, this is, you, you really go 
all the way back to that kind of experience in this. Um, plus some Seth MacFarlane. So, and how? So, well, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say, so Zell. It was a case of bad trailer, good show. I, I thought the trailer wasn't bad. It was. It was just. It was very. It didn't represent the show. <laughs> it was a funny trailer. Um, uh, I got. I had a very different take on it. So, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I. I. I just think the the movie's a little schizophrenic. I I don't think it knows whether it's trying to be, you know, Galaxy Quest or Star Trek New Generation. It's literally like it's trying to do both at the same time and, and it's not working at all. And there's some talent on that show too. I mean there there's I mean they've got some stuff to work with, but it it just it did not I I I had a slightly different take on it I think than you did. It, it was it wasn't it wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't it wasn't good either. I just I just couldn't I honestly didn't know whether I, it was designed to be a kind of tongue-in-cheek show or designed to be something a little bit more like serious. And it's it's kind of like you stay in the middle of the road; it's just not working real well. But that's that's how I saw it. I, I mean, I've I've definitely seen that feedback, and I I can see where where it comes from. Um, I would say though that like. <sighs> I, I think it'll probably, it, assuming Fox gives it time to develop, which is dubious at best because it's Fox, um, I, I feel like it'll probably settle into a, a clearer groove over time. Um, I mean, th- like one of the things that I, I look at when I look at like Star Trek shows is if you actually go back and look at their season ones, they're usually not good. Like the next gen's first couple episodes is truly yeah. painful to watch. And if I was to evaluate, like, the Orville's pilot episode versus Next Gen's pilot episode, I would actually lean in favor of the Orville. Um, but obviously where Next Gen goes over time is a very is, is a very distinct thing. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, and it, it was actually, it was very funny because there, were, there was an interview with one of the guys in the main cast who literally said, like, this is a show for disgruntled Star Trek fans that are upset about where the franchise has gone and um, where, you know, like that you have to be a subscription to watch the new Discovery show when that comes out and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I could kind of see that, but it, it's, I, I guess having understood that the trailer that there was some consternation about the trailer that uh, i think uh even i think even uh uh seth god god i'm already drawing a blank seth mcfarlane thank you even he, seth he, mcfarlane said he, he was not real pleased with how the trailer depicted the show so i kind of i tried to i tried to go into the show with a little bit of okay I'll let, let me kind of see how this develops a little bit because i frankly i have no interest in watching like a a galaxy quest haha funny show because if i really wanted to watch any of that shit i'll go watch like rick and morty you know or your futurama something like that i really don't need another like another show in that that vein i was actually kind of interested to see mcfarland do something who's a very funny guy he's a very smart guy really good writer i would like to see him do something with a little bit more seriousness involved in it yeah see i i actually there's really nothing that seth mcfarland has done prior to this point that has been really even interesting to me um i mean like there is like this show does have a fair bit of of like toilet humor and it it that's probably one of the few things that i think the show could lose yeah yeah i i could kind of see that well i mean it sounds like it's not for everyone but uh obviously it's it's not universally bad or good for for anyone in particular so it might be worth giving you giving you a shot for people if you like that sort of thing or at least want to give it a shot so uh thanks for the review that was pretty good so yep 
So moving along here to some more gaming related stuff. Overwatch. This is Zell's his baby. No, no, it's not. Oh, it's this not is, Overwatch. This is I'm not sorry. Overwatch news. It's Heroes of the Storm, which is not the same thing, but it, it does Basically. things with Overwatch. Yeah, so, so what's going on with that? I'm sorry. Um, this was well, the, the funny thing is this is uh, yet another Overwatch inspired event for Heroes of the Storm. Uh, with Blizzard's uh, continual uh, work on crossing their games back and forth with each other. Uh, they're taking the Volskaya map and they're moving it, uh, they're making a version of it for Heroes of the Storm that is going to have big giant mechs that you can spawn that are two player boss th- creatures when you create. And uh, that uh, Anna and then Junkrat uh, is going to be uh, next in Heroes of the Storm. And I thought that was kind of a. a Junkrat, I was not surprised, but I was a little surprised to see Anna joining this because they've been hesitant to add more snipers to, to the game. So, um, yeah. I thought it was interesting. I thought the the map design was cool. They have like moving platform stuff, which is is something Volsky has in Overwatch, and um, the the objectives actually are are like taken straight from the way Overwatch works. Where you stand on the point, and if they're you know you reach ninety nine percent, and it'll actually go into like an overtime thing until somebody steps off. Um, I thought it was cool. I'm excited. This is my main game, so uh, you know I I actually play this more than Overwatch now. So. What does the uh, here's the storm community think of all this this cross cross reference stuff? Do they like uh, it? Or? Well, well, I mean, this is really what here's the storm is. It has you know heroes from world you know Warcraft, Diablo, um, and and Overwatch and Starcraft. So that's that's really what it always has been. Um, I think it does get some criticism for some of the way like the one of the jokes i've made with a friend is like we we join a match and the other team would have two characters from overwatch and we'd literally say well we know we're not winning this one because they have more overwatch characters than than we do um the overwatch characters tend to be extremely mobile when they uh when they join heroes of the storm and they tend to be extremely hard to nail down and kill um junkrat nana i doubt will be as much like that but we'll see um so, you know, I, to me, it's just I have some peeves with the way they've balanced some of the Overwatch heroes. But um, and the actually the first Overwatch map they added to Heroes of the Storm, they actually ended up uh, pulling from the rotation and they're going to rework it because it was horribly unbalanced and broken. So we'll see. That's pretty crazy. I mean, do they I, I tend to hear more about the Overwatch characters being moved over to Heroes of the Storm. Do they balance who they bring in, like from the various franchises or is it one sided at all? I'm, I'm just curious. Um, I'm sure just, what you said was incredibly smart and intelligent. I just didn't catch any of it. Oh, I was asking if uh, Overwatch gets like uh, more preferential treatment in bringing characters, and like, do you see more Overwatch characters than you do Diablo or StarCraft or that sort of thing? Or is I, I it pretty even? I don't think exceptionally. Maybe a little bit more because Overwatch is newer to the. You know, they they've started reaching further, and you know. Like one of the StarCraft characters that came in was like literally a generic probe that happened to be in a cinematic video and they gave a name to. Um, <laughs> and so there there are some characters like Diablo characters. They actually, um, you know, the classes don't really have names. So they end up creating a character that represents a class in Diablo. Um so it could be a bit of a stretch to pull characters from some of them. Uh, you know, Warcraft, they're starting to pull a lot more like villains and bosses because that's, you know, they're, they're running out of the main uh, heroes characters. Like the last, the last character they added was um, Kel'Thuzad, which is a, you know, uh, the boss of the Naxxramas raid. Um, 
Garrosh was like the one before that. So the last two were Warcraft and Garrosh was, you know, a major villain of the last expansion. Um, and now they're going to go back to Overwatch and do a couple of those. Um, they probably get a little bit lean heavier on Overwatch because it's newer and there are more characters that can directly translate that they haven't done yet. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, I know that they update uh, Heroes of the Storm pretty regularly with new characters, but I know that you know Overwatch is hot, and I was curious if they, they focused on them. So it's, it's pretty good stuff. You know, it's you get the usual community nonsense. So, you know, they'll do a couple Overwatch heroes in a row, and suddenly they're they're calling it Heroes of Overwatch. And, and, oh, God. You know, it, but you'll get the exact same, you know, when they do a couple Warcraft heroes, and they'll say, oh, it's Heroes of Warcraft. Where's, you know, where's my StarCraft heroes? Um, everybody's got their favorites. Mm-hmm. Have they done any more of those events where they've got like you know play Heroes of the Storm and get it a reward in Overwatch or did that did that go well for them? I think so. I mean, they like I know a lot of people from Overwatch got annoyed that they had to go play Heroes of the Storm in order to get uh, the Diva skin, which was a very popular one, uh, the the Officer Diva. Um, and uh, I, Overwatch had said basically that they would add it to the normal loot boxes later. Um, but I mean, like it was really, as far as I know, it was very popular. A lot of people were playing it during that time. I don't know. Like the question is, and this is one of those things that they're not going to say is the the big question that for them is that number of how many people tried Here's the Storm just because of the event. And then it ended up continuing to play Heroes of the Storm, you know, and that's a number they're not going to publish. Gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious because that, that that sort of thing is intriguing to me. This you've got this grouping of a franchise, and you I mean they've got it all going through the same launcher, and all their games are kind of connected now, and they've got crossovers all the time. Uh, I'm always kind of curious how they promote that and, and some of the unique things they can do when you have that kind of setup with cross events and that sort of thing. So yeah. what they're doing is very interesting. I wouldn't be surprised to see them do it again when they do this this Overwatch event uh, that's. In Heroes of the Storm, they haven't said anything about it yet, though. They haven't they haven't really stated when this is going to launch. And, you know, it'll probably be within the next month, but they haven't they haven't given details. They haven't said as far as the new heroes that are coming, what abilities they're going to have, and they haven't said whether or not there's any event tied to it. Cool, cool. All right, sounds pretty good. So yeah, that's that's good stuff. Um, moving along here, though, we do have Elite Dangerous update two point four is coming out. So I don't personally play Elite Dangerous. Um, it's not really my thing, but we have talked in the past about the aliens that were kind of starting to show up in in the game. Uh, I believe they're called the Thargoids. Is that correct? Yeah. Um. I I saw this. This is one of those like you know you know me. I'm in the the Star Citizen camp of things, and and we, it's not like we have Denny here to to tell you how amazing Elite Dangerous is supposedly. Um. But I saw it. Uh. It looked cool. Uh. They're they're basically adding a whole set of new like ship equipment and weapons that can actually like um like so to to roll back is. When they first added these to the game, basically what would happen is when you encountered one, they would uh, let out this like EMP type pulse that would disable your ship and then they would fly off. And um, so with this, they both have like a a new device that makes your ship impervious to the, the dampening pulse and then some new fancy weapons that can supposedly damage them. And they have, um, you know, and this came with like a cool little cinematic video where they go chase one down and they, you know use the new immunity to the pulse and they fire at it and then it turns and fires back and violence ensues. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's an, it's an interesting 
kind of I, I love the way that they introduced these being like kind of like a silent patch snuck into the game and then now this is a, a major feature yeah i mean it looks pretty cool cinematics were neat um kind of eve like and how they did their uh their little mini story built around the, the feature and stuff so you know it, it's like i said it's not a game that i play but it looks like it could be pretty fun and uh this sort of thing kind of can shake up the current meta within that style of game so it should be neat to see how that plays out and uh you know we'll we'll touch back on that and kind of look at the reviews to see if people uh, are enjoying it maybe i'll i'll ping denny at some point and, and get his thoughts on it because i know he's a huge uh elite dangerous uh, fanboy so i'm sure he's got his thoughts on that you don't have Elite Dangerous on your VR thing, do you, So I do actually own it, oh, but I, okay. I've never tried playing it on the VR headset. I tried it before I got the Vive. I, like, I, oh, tried, okay. I tried Elite Dangerous for a couple minutes, and I, I, I didn't get it. I, it didn't hook me, to be honest. Hmm. Okay. I heard it actually translates very well to VR, though, because it's you know a cockpit game, and they've actually yeah. done a pretty good job at it. It making it feel really good. It's it's because you're sedentary in a chair, no matter what. Even if you deploy to it, like if you deploy to a on planetary ship, your cockpit like sinks in and gets transferred back to the rover, and then your cockpit is in the rover that you can drive around on. So you're never actually getting up from your chair at any point. So it it yeah, it works for VR. Whereas like you know, Star Citizen has made the vague promise that it will support VR since like the original crowdfunding campaign. But if you know how hard it is to cha- translate like a first person game into VR well, it's one of if if of of the large swath of promises for Star Citizen we assume will be a failure to complete, VR is definitely one of them. Yeah, I mean for Elite Dangerous, like I said, when it's entirely in in a seat, it works really well. But you know, since Star Citizen's all about having the on foot two chair fps combat in a ship on a rover you know it's since it's all inclusive in that regard i could see it struggling a bit not to mention the game is i mean i know know they've optimized it since when i tried it out but i imagine it's still extremely resource intensive and trying to stack you know vr rendering on top of that would be really insane by the time by the time star citizen officially releases it'll be like easy mode for any computer True. right you'll be able to True. like by the time star citizen is done your cell phone will be able to run star citizen and they'll, they'll patch it to the next nintendo switch U or something <laughs> yes yes okay um so moving along here a uh, bit of a delay since you know star citizen is always full of delays but another game that's been unfortunately pushed back yet again Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, it was going to originally be slated for, uh, I think, later this year, and they've now pushed it back to spring of 2018. So it was slated for nine days from now. Yeah, it's so, October. Right? Yeah. Well, then we shouldn't um, be surprised. <laughs> like we would have heard about it by now. So yeah, that's that's been pushed back a couple times. I think it's this might be the, the second or third pushback, but. You know, honestly, Rockstar has always kind of had a track record of when they delay something, it's not going into development hell. It's that they really feel that the product isn't ready yet, and they just they really want to deliver the same quality product. They, you know, they've set themselves to. I mean, they've set a standard with like uh, GTA Five, but still, like they're going to make damn sure that, that hits that benchmark because if they don't, they're going to get roasted, especially with the franchise like Red Dead. So, you know, personally, I'm cool with the delay. Take as long as you need. I've got stuff to play in the meantime anyways. But, uh, you know, spring 2018, sure, you know, whatever you need. It's probably not a not a great idea to stack it right after Destiny 2 anyways. Yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> not even close to the same game, but still, just 
everyone's busy with Destiny stuff right now. Have we heard any other details on this bait besides just it's it's being worked oh. on or anything um, in uh, particular? Uh, I don't. As far as I'm aware, no. Um, other than the, I think there's a trailer um, that either came when it was announced or they had something. At um, other than that, and then the couple of screenshots. I think there were some screenshots the other day that showed some some pretty high res like uh, pistol um, uh, models that look like they were in game. Right, right. Um, other than that, no, I, I, I don't think we've heard um, anything new. Well, and that's I don't fine. Expect that's to fine. hear anything new until I don't know. I would say November at the earliest, probably January. Um, I, I would feel more comfortable saying that we might hear something new. Yeah, I mean, there's still some game shows coming up that I'm sure they'll mm-hmm. they'll probably make some mention of at the very least. I mean, some of the, the trailers, I say that with quotes, they've shown have been mostly, you know, here's what the engine is running at, like, you know, perfect, non-optimized. I mean, it looked fantastic, but, you know, yes. you know that sort of thing. You're like, that looks like a cutscene, you know, not so much actual gameplay. So, I mean, it looks it looks good, but until you actually see, like, literal gameplay like on the show floor with the controller in someone's hand i don't trust trailers so you know who knows how long until we get something like that but uh, you know any news is nice so i look forward to it but uh yeah red dead redemption 2 has been delayed until probably q2 next year mm-hmm. yeah and if they're going to announce anything they're going to announce something that nobody's going to care about like red dead redemption online or uh co-op or something i think oh god <laughs> <laughs> Red Dead Redemption would, card game. Oh, Everyone's got to have a card game now on the cell phone awesome. app. Free to play. I would be really surprised if this game did not come with something similar to Grand Theft Auto. I, I don't see why not. I mean, it's it's obviously been successful, and, and the limited multiplayer that you, that, that uh, Red Dead One had was 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 pretty good. You know, it, it wasn't really my my cup of tea, but for mm-hmm. for what it was, it was pretty good. I enjoyed the co-op a lot more than I did like the open world competitive sort of deal, but uh, yeah. you know, it was it was still well put together at the very least, and I could see them expanding on that, especially with shit, it seems like every three months you got a new GTA online expansion coming out. I'm like, God, they're doing yeah, everything yeah, with that do. game. Yeah, no, and you do, and I, I I think that that's good for Rockstar. Obviously, it's good that they have that they have money flowing in from those expansions, which you know allows them uh, better things. At least it does in my mind to everything that they're working on, which I'm fine with. I I think um, everybody here would agree that Rockstar makes good games that they do. They care about the the stuff that they want it to be done right. Um, unlike certain other companies that rhyme with EA. <laughs> I won't even go down that rabbit hole, but uh, yeah, no, I'm not too concerned about this one. It should be good. So, other news, um, because the the ongoing joke is that um, basically you can take the original Doom and you can port it to any electronic platform you can possibly think of. I think I saw a video the other week where someone had taken the original Doom and was playing it on a thermostat, like like one of those uh, like programmable thermostats. Um, so, um, Doom has been ported to everything. Now, uh, Doom 2016, one that I've talked about quite a bit, and I won't get into it again, um, along with Wolfenstein 2, uh, the new Colossus, both of those are actually going to be ported to Nintendo Switch, um, in the next uh, few months here. So, 
Uh, kind of a weird choice. Typically not the kind of game you'd expect to see in a Nintendo system, but it's happening. Uh, both Bethesda titles. Uh, Doom's coming out uh, later this year, I think before the holiday season, and they said Wolfenstein's going to be a little bit later. Um, it's a bit more of a new game, so they'll probably push that to uh, early 2018. But uh, if this you've is, got a Switch, you can play Doom. This is one of those things where Nintendo, like, you know, their first-party games and a lot of the third-party games that are made directly for them are all family-friendly. And then Nintendo's attempt to say, like, yeah, we make adult games, too, is getting someone who made a game that came out two years ago to port to their current console. Um, you know, they it's they never have, like, a, a current release day title for, for the Switch that's, you know, like a, a mature-rated game. I, I think it's because there's just no way anyone's going to fund in like an initial release on a Nintendo console for a, a more mature game. It's just, they're not going to take that risk because that's not the demographic they're going for. It's more of like, Hey, if you've got your kids Nintendo switch and they're at school and you want to play doom, you can load it up on their console and play. It. I think that's kind of what they're going for, but they're not going to try to fund something for actual production. They're going to pick up, other games that are already successful and they can get it for the cheap, you know, to port over. But no one's going to develop the kind of game like Doom or Wolfenstein for the Switch specifically. They're going to do it for something else. Maybe do all at once. I think Call of Duty came out on Wii for a while there. Um, kind of like as a universal release. And I don't think it did very well. So, you know, this is what I expect for Nintendo and this sort of thing. What's the, Have they ever had like a really successful hardcore, like, like relatively mature game. Uh, I didn't think No More Heroes Two or something come out on the which, which one? On the which one? No More Heroes Two, I think it was. Hold on, let me look. Yeah, no More Heroes is, is definitely more of a, a mature tone. I think the game Mad World was a Wii title, and that was definitely um, it was kind of like a, a noir art style, and that was definitely um, mature. Uh, it was actually rated mature. One of the few ones that came out for for the Wii. Um, that that one did. I think decently well. Um, that was like one of the few that was actually developed for the Wii because I think they wanted to make use of the motion controls. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, here we go. No More Heroes 2 was on the Wii. Uh, looks like exclusive. Um, what else was... Sorry. I'm... Yeah, I, I can't see the Wii having m- much of anything like that. Well, what an Afro Samurai, something like that. Mm, did that have a game? I could see that having a game. Um, was that for the Wii? Or do you I thought that was for the Wii. Um, Afro Samurai, which is a great, is a great show, by the way. Uh, <laughs> PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Sixty. I'm not seeing anything for Nintendo here. I'm okay. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'll have to check on that. But uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, oh. uh, they had a few things out there. That zombie U game. Uh, oh yeah. On Switch. On that Switch. was actually pretty good. Um, Wii U. Yeah, that made use of the the tablet quite a bit. I had a friend that. Uh, that picked that one up and that was actually a really really solid game interesting take on on a zombie game like uh so like your character had like a tablet right so like he pulls out basically a wii u tablet and he's fiddling around on inventory management but uh it kind of had some cool mechanics where it was like if you wanted to go through inventory there was no pause screen you actually had your character sat down took the backpack off pulled out his tablet started going through items and things could creep up on you in the process and it was actually it, it really kind of made you frantic as you're trying to flip through stuff on the tablet trying to get to your item because you don't want to sit still very long so that was actually a pretty good one i think they eventually ported it to ps4 and maybe xbox and it mm-hmm. wasn't quite as good because it lost some of that uh 
that hardware mechanics involved. It was just more of a generic, you know, flip through everything. So it was really solid on on the Wii U. It was it was okay on the ones they ported over for for Sony and PlayStation, if Sony and Microsoft. But yeah, so you you do get some cool ports um, for for Nintendo Switch, and like I said, it's it's that's not the first platform I would go to to, to pick up those games. Um, I, there's they have like announcement videos for these, right? But they haven't really said this is the game running on a on a Switch. So bear in mind that what you're seeing is probably PC or uh, Xbox or PS4 footage. So I imagine they probably have to tone it down uh, a fair amount to actually meet the specs of the Switch. They're obviously not quite as powerful as as the other platforms, but you know. I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. I don't own uh, a current-gen Nintendo uh, console, so I won't give this one a shot firsthand, but I'm kind of curious to see what they do with it and, and how it works out. So that's that's Doom 2016, and is that the first or the second uh, Wolfenstein? It's the second of the most recent reboot, okay, okay. so, yeah. That's really yeah, this isn't like the old, uh, old like, you know, 8-bit game. This is like the, the new, yeah, yeah, no, new no, no, modern-gen no, no, uh, titles. Because I mean, if you if you want to play the original Doom, just get yourself a thermostat and you're good to go. Jesus, that's <laughs> the best thing. And then you put Skyrim on some kind of thermostat. Sky, Skyrim will be will be the in in like 20 years. Skyrim will be running on the most random shit because they will they're already trying to port that to basically everything they can possibly think of. So you know, eventually you'll have Skyrim on your thermostat. It'll be great. I mean, all, all jokes aside, I kind of want to see somebody program it to the those LG refrigerators that do have the little fucking screen on the front. That'd be that'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> That'd be really cool. So I'm sure someone will do it at some point because why not? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. pretty solid. So then how right, many? Right. Uh, that's what like four Bethesda games that's coming to the Switch now. Bethesda does seem to kind of have a, a bit of a hard on for the Switch. They're they're trying to to make use of it. I think I'm not sure if that's you know Nintendo kind of urging them along one way or the other, or if they're legitimately interested in pushing for it. But yeah, they've got um, Doom, they got Wolfenstein, they got Skyrim, and uh, are they doing Fallout? Fall? I don't know. I was just about to ask. Maybe. Man. I mean, they can do Skyrim. I don't see why they can't do Fallout. Right. That would make no. well, sense. Well, Skyrim yeah. is, is PS3, remember, originally. So, um, so. Fallout, Fallout 4 was, was PS4. Now, if they did Fallout 3 or New Vegas, then I could see that. I'm, I'm not sure what the specs on the Switch are, but, you know, that, definitely that Fallout and... Um, Fallout and Skyrim, or the Elder Scrolls in in general, is kind of their two their two big ones right now. So, you know, I I could see them trying to do it. Um, it would probably do well. I know that they're still supporting Fallout Four pretty heavily. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite a bit of uh, controversy around the whole paid mods thing that aren't paid mods, but they're they're mods you pay for. Um, <laughs> that's that's a big it's a big ruckus right now in terms for Fallout Four. But uh, you know, they're they're at least interested in supporting the franchises one way or the other, and you know. They've already released Skyrim on everything, so why not Fallout? I can see it happening. I'm waiting for them to put... Uh, what's that horror game that came out a couple of years ago from Bethesda? Was that Evil Within? Evil Within 2, I think, is coming that out comes soon. comes out next month. Yeah, it comes out like the week before October. Uh, I'm waiting to see if they'll put either of those games on the Switch. Oh, it's coming out Friday the 13th in October 2017. Evil Within 2. Okay. There you go. Marketing. Yeah, that's one I should look into. That might be a fun one to, to touch on for, for the Dungeon Crawl series, because uh, I think we're going to do uh, Aliens next, and that will be really terrifying, because that game looks terrifying. Uh, Aliens Isolation, I think it's called. Oh, Isolation, dude. Uh, Isolation is okay. fun. Dude, that game is fun as hell. 
I, I'm telling you, if you want to have a throwback, go play like the original, like a uh, PC version of AV of uh, Aliens vs Predators. That that just I'm dead serious, man. Just fire it up on your computer. Find like a copy somewhere. I'm sure you can, you can you know scarf it up online. Like wait till it's kind of late at night. Turn all the lights in the room off except for and just let the computer screen go. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty eerie. What well, you need to do? Sega. Wow. Oh, really? Is it that old? Oh, it, it's uh, wow. Nine out of ten on Steam. Fifteen bucks. Might be worth it. What you need to do? Alien Isolation has this really cool feature where if you have, I know for the Xbox, and I'm, I would assume it'd be the same thing for the PlayStation Four. But if you have a Kinect on the Xbox, it acts as a microphone. So if you're sitting there with a bunch of dudes at night and you're all sitting around the the TV and you got one dude playing this game and then y'all get giggly. The connect will pick up your sound and it'll like put it into the game and it'll make it as if it's coming from your character. So the alien or um, whatever other enemies are around you will find you quicker. It's really neat. That that sounds terrible because <laughs> I freak out <laughs> usually. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's one I've been I've been looking at. And I'll I'll look into the Alien versus Predators because that whole franchise in general is has been an interesting uh, interesting dive into into the horror games and that sort of thing so it's uh it's good it's something i kind of want to get into i haven't ever played an aliens game before but i've heard some good things about them so like i said that's that's probably the next dungeon crawl game once i'm done with prey which is going on forever it's good but it's it's, it's a very long game if you want to do everything so once that's done we'll move on to a new one uh, but speaking of other games that I've been playing, uh, kind of our weekly thing where we pick up one of the freebies on uh, Xbox Gold or PS Plus, I gave Strike Vector X a shot to, uh, to earlier today. And so this one is basically a third-person um, dogfighting game. Um, I don't play these games typically, so I was really bad at it, but it was, it was pretty good. Um, it kind of has the whole thing of... Um, ship customization you pick your you know your your cockpit you pick your engines and they've got like a special thing like you can get uh you know instant shield boost or like a a tesla drive which does like aoe electricity damage around you um and you can pick like your primary weapon and that sort of thing and then you can color however you want so it's kind of got a it's rudimentary but it's got some some decent customization in there um and so yeah it's like a third person uh kind of dogfighting simulator right and the interesting bit is that you kind of have this like stationary mode and this fast mode so when you're in stationary mode you just kind of hover in the air and you you're you're kind of slow but your your aim is really steady you can you know make some really clean shots it's kind of almost like a sniper mode right so you can kind of scope in and zoom in and you've got some weapons that are are meant to be long range high precision that sort of thing and then you can hold down i think on the controllers like l2 and that puts you in fast mode and you're basically just you know zipping off and it's it's a more traditional like uh ace fighter assault sort of deal where you're just going full speed you know really good stuff the game kind of encourages you to 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 repair your shit picking like pickups and power-ups and that sort of thing um these things that cool down your abilities faster that sort of thing and uh it's usually like they want you to kind of dive between like two bits of terrain to kind of to grab these things definitely has collision damage so like there's these like jump gates that you go through and you, you go through the gate and this is like in the tutorial mission is like, okay so go through the gates to give you speed boost you want to hit multiple gates in a row to kind of keep your speed yeah, up. Hey, hey yeah don't you got to watch your, your trigger to me right now talking about uh hitting jump rings and shit like that after just trying to play the destiny nightfall 
I haven't given that one a shot yet. We'll we'll get my review on that later on next week. Um, Hashtag so yeah, horrendous. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't given the Nightfall and Destiny two a shot yet, but uh, I was watching uh, Jay and my brother and another friend of ours uh, try it. It was it was not going well from what I could tell. Uh, mishaps with drills and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, so uh, with Strike Vector, uh, so it tells you like, okay, so go through the ring and um, it's going to give you a speed boost. And so I, I go through the, the ring and instantly cream like into the side of like a drilling rig and explode. And freaking PSN pops up with a trophy that says, welcome to Strike Vector. <laughs> I, I knew what I was in for then. Because you, at least for me, I ran into shit and blew up constantly. Like, the game is all about, like, making these really tight dives between things and then going through these rings and trying to keep your speed up so people can't hit you. And I ran into stuff constantly. So it reminds me a bit of, like, Dark Souls 2. Like, the first time you die in Dark Souls 2, it's usually, like, just this horrific smash against the wall, one hit, you're dead. And you get a trophy that says, this is Dark Souls. This is the same deal. Where I was like, okay, yeah, here we go. Boom. Like, oh. Oh wow! And it's like, bing, trophy achieved, bronze. You know, this is Strike Factor. It's like, oh shit. So, um, that was pretty funny, and it had a good sense of humor there. Um, but yeah, the combat feels pretty good. The aim is very forgiving. I feel like as long as I had the target within kind of this ring in the center of my screen, that it would hit. Um, so it wasn't like really hardcore. You have to have like super precise aim. Like I was able to hit people that I was like. I feel like I should have missed him, but I got him anyways. Um, so if you're not familiar with with uh, dogfighter games, this is actually a, a fairly decent entry point. I didn't feel like I was overwhelmed. It actually felt pretty good. Uh, there is a campaign. It's got a story that's terrible. It's really stupid, but it, it basically exists to kind of take you through various mechanics in the game and, and teach you that. So um, kind of at least get through the first like three or four missions if you're going to give it a shot before you jump into multiplayer because it just kind of tells you stuff that you're going to want to know. Like, here's how you do like a hairpin turn. Here's how you, you know, get a speed boost. Here's how the power-ups work, that sort of thing. So I, do, I would suggest if you do play this, give the campaign um, at least a, a decent go to kind of get a feel for how the stuff is going to work. Um, multiplayer... I had some trouble with it. There's like five or six game modes. Like all of them that I tried, it said like, it's like finding server and then it goes, uh, cannot connect, game is full. I was like, uh, really? And I kept trying over and over. And over. So I couldn't get any of the game modes to work except for King of the Hill, which I was able to get into a match, which was, um, ended up being 3v3, but I think the game supports um, up to 6v6. Is, is it lack of players you couldn't get it to work or? I, it seemed like it was too many players, and they didn't have the servers really? for it because it was like oh, games okay. full. Yeah. Like they, they didn't have enough instances to to get it going. It wasn't like because it, it felt like the game would see to match even if there weren't enough people. Because like I said, I got into like a three v three, but there was room for more. Like you could tell that it was up to six people per team. So I don't know if they didn't have enough servers or or what the deal was. But I was only able to get into one game mode. So that was that was a little frustrating because I didn't particularly want to play King of the Hill, but I wanted to give it a shot. So that's kind of what I got stuck with. So that could just be because it's, uh, you know, it's on PS Plus right now, so it, everyone's you know jumping on it. I don't know. Um, 
but I was having issues with the multiplayer. But, you know, like I said, core gameplay loop felt pretty good. Um, nothing that you're going to sink your teeth into for 30 hours a week, probably. It's not anything heavy on, like, uh, RPG elements. It's mostly, like, earn currency, buy customization, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it's it's free. Uh, probably worth picking up. It's good for uh, a few pickup games. If you if you like dogfighters, the, the loop felt pretty good. It was pretty approachable. Um I had some pretty fun moments dying and not dying, like, you know, just nailing that perfect, like, you know, threading the needle was, was pretty satisfying. So um, I, I could give it a pretty good score. I, I'd give it a good shot. Um, but yeah, so pretty solid. So that's Strike Vector X. That's free on uh, PlayStation 4 if you have uh, a, play, a PlayStation Plus uh, membership. So that's for the month of September, I think all month long. So you should be able to pick that up in the, the next coming weeks and give it a shot. So Bait will be up next week. Do, do you know what game you're going to give a shot yet, Bait? Are you still deciding? Um, I'm still deciding. I'm probably not going to play Battlefield 3 for the podcast, though, just because I feel like everybody has played Battlefield 3 and was about. Sure, sure. Um, so I'll probably probably play the little indie game that's uh, the name escapes me. Oxen... Oxen Free. Oxen Free. Oxen Free? I don't know. Yeah, it's Oxen Free. Oxen Free, there we go. Yeah, that's a very uh, story-driven one. So that's okay, cool. that's pretty good. I've I've played a little bit of it. I've, I've I've read a lot about it. It's gotten some some really good reviews in terms of storytelling. It does some unique things with uh, how you can interact with the characters in the game. So I, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on that because it is it is fairly unique. I'm I'm, I'm a little know. jealous that it's free on on Xbox. I'd like to give it a <laughs> shot for free on my computer here. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll play that then next week and uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll review. All right, sounds good, man. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we go into shoutouts here? All right, then. Zell, you're up, man. Um, yeah, so uh, MapQuest has a delightful API. You all have forgotten it existed, but um, I am writing navigation software for my car that uses uh, the MapQuest API, and, and it's Dude, delightful. Fucking MapQuest is shit. Every time so, I've used so, that, yeah, I've ended up in spot. So if, if I ever drive into a lake, uh, it is either the fault of MapQuest or the badly written navigation software that I'm writing myself. One of the two. One of the, probably going to be MapQuest's um, and, and if you need a second shout-out just because, um, a friend of mine brought over a DJI Spark drone um, yesterday, and uh, it looks really neat. Um, it does all sorts of fancy stuff and is way more stable than than my built uh, built from a kit drone is. It, it's they've they've really gotten. I, I like I haven't seen in person what the state of the art really does these days, and seeing it was really cool. Like to have someone be able to like put the drone up in the air and then he's fiddling around with menus and showing off options. And I'm like, you know, your drone's you know sitting around up there waiting for you. Um, you know, because like if I take mine up, I have to have I have to be on the controls every moment or it's going to go somewhere I didn't. Enjoy. So um, I thought the DJI Spark was a really cool little drone. How much does that one cost? Because I've got like a little like seven dollars one. Seven hundred and twenty dollars okay. or something like that. Yeah, there you that, go. I, I mean, this is this thing looks it, like it takes stunning imagery. Um, it, it has all sorts of features to like where you can target something and specify on the screen, hey, follow this, and then it'll follow that. Uh, he, there was like a gesture mode where it would sit there and you could you could just use your hand to control it and it would watch your hand. Um, just all sorts of really fancy features that they threw into this thing. And I, I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I don't have, like, I, I've leaned away from the commercial ones myself because of the... Um, 
they're very proprietary and they're tied to like the, they'll push cloud updates that'll disable where they can where and how they can operate and stuff like that. Um, but seeing what they can do is also really cool. So it was, it was kind of neat to, to see it. You know, someone who hates Google so much, I'm surprised you're like all gung ho for what's a, basically a, a spy drone that could track and follow you around. Apparently. <laughs> I didn't say I wanted to own one. <laughs> all right. I just, uh, I just thought the deck was cool. No, it, it, those are very cool. They're just way outside my price range for for the ones that can do all the cool stuff. Like like mine's like yours, where you pretty much have to have your hands on the control the whole time because it it doesn't self stabilize like that. You actually have to kind of manually throttle the the lift to, to actually get it to stay in place. And it, they're neat. They're a cool little toy, but it's certainly nothing along the lines of the the crazy yeah, self controlling ones. If you're spending seven hundred and twenty bucks on a drone, you better have like a, a a real practical use for it, or a lot of extraneous income. Because, I mean, like you can use this for professional photography, and I know that there are a lot of people who do. Um, you know, it's it's got a great camera sensor, and it's got like all sorts of like in addition to GPS, it's got various range finders, so it can very precisely like you'll put it three feet in the air, and it will stay exactly three feet in the air. Um, until you tell it to do something else, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're pretty crazy. I mean, I know that there's a uh, wedding photographers that will, they're, they're specifically drone photographers that will do, you know, sweeping shots of your wedding ceremony with a drone. They're like $1,500, $2,000 for a session, like absolutely insane amount of money they get for this sort of thing. But that's because most people can't afford the hardware or the, have the know-how to actually do it. So, I mean, there's money to be made with drones. It's just, uh, you know, you got to actually commit to it because they, they do get up there in price. All right, my shout-out is going to be... Oh, sorry, Bate, you're up, man. I skipped you. Uh, oh, shout out. Um, it's down here. Uh, so Foo Fighters dropped a new album, I think, two days ago or a day ago? Uh, that was a few weeks ago. That was not a few weeks ago. It was about two and a half, three weeks ago, yeah. No, it wasn't. Concrete and gold, dude. That was not two and a half, three weeks ago. No, it wasn't. Bait. I'm, I've got my dad smile on right now. I'm just watching, I'm just like staring at my computer as he's Googling. <laughs> the, the, the tone that you used. It was released two days ago. Ah, fuck oh, you, two shit. days ago. Concrete and Gold is the ninth studio album by American okay. rock band Foo Fighters. It no. was released on September no. 15th, they 2017. Gave it away. They've been giving it away on the interweb, not just the fucking plastic disc, for like two and a half weeks now. <laughs> like, And then I, I don't even mean like illegally. The band has been giving it away. The official release date is September 15th, 2017. Hey man, all I'm saying is I got the whole thing on my iPad already. <laughs> It's because Jay has super secret contacts on the internet. We already knew this. If yeah, they called their it's... Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's good. Anyways, They've got biometrics on there. I don't know if you know that or not. You have to like get an iris scan to get on that shit. <laughs> Right. Anyway, fuck you. I'm right. Two days ago, the album came out for those who, uh, those of us who don't follow them on Facebook. Uh, that album is absolutely fantastic. So shout out to that album. I really enjoyed it. All right, sounds good, man. Uh, my shout out is going to actually go to uh, a charity that went on um, this last week in Final Fantasy XIV community. Uh, they did a march in game, so they actually made uh, Lalafell characters, which are these little midget characters you can you can you can make the character creator and did a march like through the worlds of final fantasy 14 and did like a 12-hour live stream for this to raise money and they wanted to raise like 
a thousand bucks for hurricane relief. Well, they hit that mark in like five minutes and they're like, well, shit, I guess we'll go for 5,000. And they hit that like a couple hours in. By the end of the live stream, they had raised $21,000 to donate to a hurricane relief for, for uh, Texas and Florida. So um, crazy stuff. I, I'm really surprised that it did so well, but uh, you know, props to everyone who uh, was involved in that. It was really solid stuff. So really cool to see that happen. All right, Jay, your shout out. Uh, my shout outs to Bait uh, for actually bringing up the uh, the Foo Fighters in terms of uh, his shout out. That's like legit. It, that is actually a pretty legit album. It's it's really good. I, ca- I still call him an album, not a disc. Uh, it is actually quite good. But hey, that's that's actually pretty cool. We give Bait a lot of a lot of crap, you know, basically because he is uh, significantly the most youngest guy guy in the room, uh, at least in this very small room that we have. Uh, but he does know what good music is, and I'll always give him that. So my shout out is debate that I'm trolling Holy the shit, shit out of in Skype right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. We really appreciate him. And there's all kinds of shit going down behind the scenes. <laughs> all right. <It's> okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, you know, the drill, uh, you know, if you want to be on the show, even topics you want us to cover. I know this one was a little, a little tight. So we kind of had to fill it a bit. Um, that's because we had a late recording of the previous show, so there wasn't much to talk about between you know Wednesday and today when we recorded it, but uh, do appreciate you hanging in there. Uh, if you want to be on the show, let us know. All the contact information is on biomass.com or biomass.net. I'm more than happy to have you. You can also kind of hit up um, any of us on Twitter, uh, and Bait and I also watch the Dust Veteran Discord pretty pretty closely, so if you want to ping us on the Biomass channel in there, uh, we will probably see it. So just let us know. We're more than happy to accommodate you. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, you know, it's it's always good to, to have you come in, and we appreciate your comments and your views and all that. So uh, let us know if there's anything we can do better, anything you want us to do, and, uh, you know, keep it up. We appreciate it. So everyone, have a good night. Be safe, and uh, see you next week. <laughs>